You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to U2BA, Stephen Chicken here. I'm sorry we didn't get a podcast to you last week, but due to various illnesses and so on, we just weren't able to get two people in the room at any one time. But Jim Chisholm has very kindly given up some of his time to join us here today. How are you doing, Jim? I'm, I'm wonderful, apart from the worst cold I've ever had in my life. The worst cold you've ever had? Yeah. What's the bad about it? It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things coming out of my face. Yeah. Don't know what a lot of that is. Words. Uh, not words. That's I've saved all those for today. Yeah. You were talking normally a second ago and now I've hit record. That's not going, true. That's not true. Oh, I've got a lot of practice. A lot of practice <laughs> for doing that. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I'm fine. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, one thing that isn't fine, perhaps, is the mood of the town fans after Saturday afternoons. Long trip to Bristol to watch the team get spanked. 5-2, they were 4-1 down by half-time. Not a great showing, was it? No, I mean, I've, 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 I've watched the game back because I was at a Thanksgiving party, my, my first I've ever, ever, ever been to on, on Saturday. So, But um, I'm, not, I'm not, my girlfriend doesn't tend to let me have my, my phone on me, but I'd, I'd kind of like, I kept sneaking a look. That, that's um, troubling behaviour, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, you, no, not from from her side. I mean, we were her friends. Okay, her not fr- just like yeah. in general. When football's on. Okay. She, she, you know, we were at dinner. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, the Americans had invited us to tea. The okay. British are coming. I was, I was getting worried we we're going to have to give out a number for a support <laughs> so, at yeah, the so end of the episode. Maybe, maybe we still do, but um, I had a bit of, I, had a, I just I had a glance and it was like four one. Yeah. And I was like, what? What's <laughs> happened here? Um, so. Yeah, I think it was, it was pretty poor performance watching it back. A lot of really stupid mistakes and, and patterns of play that we haven't seen since probably the Cowleys took over. Why that is, I think we'll come on to it later, but I think the, more immediately, we had a makeshift back four. Yeah. And it very much looked like a makeshift back four. The only issue I have with that sort of analysis of things is they had a makeshift back four the previous two games as well, and they did perfectly well. In fact, Jordan Stankovic against uh, against Swansea was was phenomenal. It's so it's strange that suddenly. Well, I thought to be honest, I thought it was odd that he that Danny Cowley threw Terence Kingolo in when the team had done so well against Swansea defensively. I thought it was strange that he moved uh, Stankovic into midfield when he, in particular, mm. had been absolutely immense in defence. I know that they needed an extra midfielder, but it seemed it seemed like a a change too far to bring in a new centre back and move a centre mid- central defender into midfield. And after twenty minutes, he had to change it anyway. Mm. He changed it. He put. Lewis O'Brien into midfield, put Congolo back onto 
left back where he said he, you know, he's not a left back. He put Stankovic back into defence. To me, I wonder if in hindsight, because Hadjian and I started as well. He played Bakuna as the number ten, and I just wonder if in hindsight, too many might, changes. Yeah, whether it was too many changes, whether he could have kept Alex Pritchard, and I know that you would have let lost. I presume the reason he wanted Bakuna was to do the kind of thing they did against Preston and why he put O'Brien there later on was to do the thing against Preston they did against um, Brentford, I should say, where they were pressing high up the pitch. But I think they but, lost. Pritchard can give you enough of that. Is there an argument to be made? And, and I don't know because I don't know if anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows this, but I know nothing about football. <laughs> so uh, let's a big caveat there. But... You know, the other two games where we'd have had makeshift defences, it was at home. Yeah. I feel like we were playing on the front foot a lot more. Yeah. We were committing a lot more men forward. And as a consequence, the defence weren't being asked to soak up as much pressure. Now, from what I've seen, when we're playing away, the, the Cowleys do like to play as if we're playing away. Yeah. They're much more defensive. We have less of the ball. We play a much deeper line. And as a consequence, that means that the defence have to, to play on the counter, ab yeah. absorb a lot more pressure. And with Bristol, um, very different to Birmingham or Swansea, when they come forward, they come forward in waves and they are quite dangerous. Now, I think it was the wing-backs that were the problem. And not just the wing-backs, but also in, in terms of the support offered by the wingers. And if you look at the vast majority of Bristol's goals, they came from out wide. All of the first four came from out yeah, wide. Yeah, exactly. 51% of their play went down. I right think they were, they were clearly targeting yeah. the wings um, and they got a lot of success from it. Yeah, and they just didn't deal with it. I mean, it didn't help that, that and I don't want to labour the point too much because I've already absolutely hammered him in the five conclusions. Mel's given him a two out of ten and I think it's well known our thoughts on Adama Diakabi, but... He came on for Fraser Campbell after five minutes. Campbell had started the game. He got a knock inside the first minute. Had to go off after about five. Dear Carby came on and he, he was awful up that left wing. He, it, it, they were playing the same system that they did against West Brom where the back four were very narrow and the wingers had to get back and sort of become supplementary fullbacks and they were tasked with tracking the fullbacks forward. And we know how good Jack Hunt is going forward and how much he can punish teams from when he was at Down years ago. And yeah, he did the first goal in particular, and also they scored a second goal that was disallowed before they got an actual second goal. He just didn't track his man back at we, all. We we kind of discussed this. We had this. You could we had the video on WhatsApp, and we're having a kind of review of the game. Um, it's not just that he didn't track back. Um, he actually starts in a relatively wide position. Yeah. And he actually comes inside. But not to close anyone No, down. no, no. He just aimlessly. moves inside, yeah. Which leaves the wing-back utterly exposed. Just bombs. Um, and that's his man. And he's just not picking... No one's picking him up. But you see, at the beginning of the year and last season when we talked about Diakabi, we, we very much focused on his, his kind of flaws as an attacking player. And yeah. I think to an extent... Um, and credit to him, he's at least answered some of those criticisms. Yeah. I suppose we've not really looked at him as, as a player with defensive duties to carry out. And I don't know whether perhaps that's something to work on, but positionally, he was all over the place. Yeah, and and I don't feel like he was asked to do anything particularly complicated. No, I don't think so. He, he, I mean, it's not ideal when you're having to... When you're having to come on as a sub that early on, 
but it just seemed like he wasn't switched on and as a consequence he ended up getting taken off at half time interestingly he then played for EDT on Monday he started did he score? he scored yeah, yeah against yeah. Liverpool uh, one old war it was um, I mean it was I don't know if we can read too much into that because half the players that were on the bench against Bristol also played for the EDT so Matty Daly who came on against Bristol played as well Josh Garoma who came on mm. played uh, Keen Harrett who was on new sub played so there were others that played, so I don't know if we can read too much into that, but I don't think Diakabi has played too much for the EDT recently, so whether that's a tactical thing, a confidence thing, just trying to get minutes into him, um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it just it, as you say, it was a lot of old habits that came back that we hadn't seen probably since the West Brom game, mm. um, specifically when... When they gave the ball away or when they lost a 50-50, they just panicked. They just completely panicked and lost their shape, which they hadn't, they'd been so good at not doing. Even against Preston, they lost their discipline, but at least they sort of kept their shape. They, they, were, they weren't 10 school kids chasing the ball around the pitch like they were at times against Bristol. So hopefully it is just a blip because, as I say, they were two really good performances against Birmingham and Swansea where they really just needed to be more clinical at, at one end and a little bit tighter at, you know, there was only, both games were matches where the opposition scored with pretty much their only good chance. I thought considering the personnel issues that we had, Birmingham and Swansea were really good performances. Yeah. But um, the, the problem now though is that that they're now cast in a very different light because now they're two points from four games and having just received a battery and going into the Leeds game. But I think, again, right, the two things that are always competing in the minds of football fans, and you see this particularly on social media, we've mentioned it before, a context and narrative. Yeah. So the narrative is two points out, you know, two points out of four games, a disastrous collapse, mm. um, perhaps some hints from Danny Cowley that all is not well in the dressing room, which we'll come on to later. But the, the context is that when the Cowleys came in, um, on the field, we, we looked lost. Yeah. Um, off the field, we looked lost in terms of like, togetherness and all this kind of stuff. Um, and they came in and very rapidly imposed a, a clear style of play, yeah. clear discipline. Um, and as a result of that, as results improve massively and I do not think they can get enough credit or you can overestimate the job they've done there yeah not just steadying the ship because we were awful yeah and that was reflected in the fact that we were in a real relegation battle and although we're still kind of one point from eight games yeah and although we're still yeah. very close to the, the relegation zone um they've really Two turned like four times as good as they were <laughs> absolutely yeah they, they've turned the ship around really dramatically and, and I'm really, really impressed. Yeah, I, I agree with this all in context. It's, and I think it is important to bear that context in mind. The thing is, it's difficult for, you know, for, well, not difficult for me as a journalist, it's great for me as a journalist. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's nice to have interesting things to write about and it's, you know, but what I mean is that oof, I never used to understand before I sort of took this job full time why you get that journalist thing where, where you lurch from sort of one extreme to another in terms of your opinion. And you do that thing that the fans do where either everything's brilliant or everything's awful. But I, I kind of get it now, having sort of been doing this job full time for about eight months or so. Because 
you feel like that context is sort of taken as red. So, for instance, I criticised them quite a lot after the Birmingham game in my five conclusions, but that was because they, I felt like they had established a higher standard for themselves. If they had put in that performance 10 games before, you'd have been saying what a revelation, what a breath of fresh air it was, the same way we were with that Millwall game where they ended up drawing, drawing one all. But I felt like that context that was there, that they had had that seven-game unbeaten run and they looked like they were ready to push on. As you say, I think it's also easy to forget how, how many games have they been in charge of? 13, now, yeah. 14, something like that. It's not a long time at all. And, I mean, another, another if, you, if you look at the record, another aspect to this league is... God, the cliche again. <laughs> you don't know. You can't say. No. When, when someone asks me, oh, what do you think you're going to do this week? And I'll just say, I don't know. Not, yeah. No idea. Um, and that's something that you always have to bear in mind. Yeah, that but... I, I don't read too much into the Bristol game, e- even with the, the comments in the post-match interview. I don't read too much into that. I think sometimes you can just have a really bad day in the championship. Yeah. And... Another side of that is that I guarantee you in the next month, Bristol are just going to have a nightmare. Well, they, they did it. They, they've already had it. Yeah. So I, I, it's another thing I looked at in the conclusion. I thought, oh, well, I'll go back and I'll look at the big teams and I'll find their biggest defeats because I bet they've all had one. And you didn't have to go back. You barely had to go back a week because yeah. Bristol had lost 4-1 to West mm. Brom the, on the Wednesday. Or... Uh, Nottingham Forest had beaten QPR on Wednesday, but then lost on Saturday to, to at home to Cardiff. Yeah. Like it happens in the Championship, and there really is no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes, as you say, it's as much a cliche as it is. It's about the response now, and it's about them showing. No, this was a blip. This was the exception. What we did against Swansea and Birmingham, where they frankly deserved more points out of those two games, that's our norm. This was the aberration and not the other way around. Because the number of draws they've had, it's still, and when you look at the underlying stats and the fact that the XG still suggests that they should be as much stock as you can put in XG, that they still should be struggling. You know, they, mm. you you do think, have they actually turned the cut? Because for instance, the to bring up XG again, oh sorry, not XG, but when we looked at the, Dave and I have talked about this before, when you looked at the underlying stats on that seven game run, what was different was not anything major beyond the fact that their finishing got twice as good as it had been mm. before. They were still creating the same number of chances and a lot of the underlying stats were the same, but their finishing was suddenly a lot better. A classic, a really good example of that was Birmingham where, you know, Chalba plays that amazing ball and having... Someone, not it could it could have been Grant as well, but mm. having someone on the end of it who just is calm, collected, yeah. and can make something of that chance. One thing that we do do is we might we might <laughs> we concede do. five. We do, we might concede five, but we scored two. Yeah, and I know, I know it's not it's not <laughs> ideal. Right? Yeah, I'm not saying I'm looking for the positives here, but we wouldn't have done that six months ago or, no. or whatever. By the way, do you have heating in these offices? <laughs> like what? He's like wearing like a tight stepdad. <laughs> it's freezing. Um. <laughs> don't put tight step that into Google. Um, <laughs> it, it is cold in this room. It's because I can turn the heating on, but um, the but then they'll be. Do you know what? I'm going to turn the heating on. There will be a noise okay, f- for the listeners. So you ready? To turn it on past ten degrees. Yeah, it is. To be fair, 
It's genuinely it's colder in here than it is outside. <laughs> genuinely. Yeah. That's so shocking. tell you what, you complain about that paywall, but you know, you not you guys not paying you twenty five P it's having an impact. Yeah. That's it. So what Danny Cowley said was we've had words and the players are clear, I'm their best friend. I always tell them the truth. They have a lot of people around them, a lot of entourage who only tell them what they want to hear, and sometimes there's a consequence of that. Some of them might get a wrong reflection of who they actually are and the type of person they're being. So I see it as my job to tell them the truth, to deal in the truth, and to live in the truth. If they play well, I'm the first to tell them. And likewise, if they come up short like they did at Bristol City, I'll tell them. I owe them that, and I won't be one of those people who doesn't tell them the truth. They also have to look at themselves and decide who's giving them good information and who's not. And they have to make those decisions as human beings. And my advice to all of them is get the very best people around them who can give them the very best advice. That's not just the advice you want to hear because it can be very hard, particularly for young people in this profession, very difficult. Pretty damning words. So, I mean, we have seen more and more of this from Cowley over the past past few weeks. The, there's always been sort of little sprinklings here and there that have been um, kind of almost hidden criticisms where even me and Mel it's taken us a couple of goes there you go there's your heating Fantastic. it's taken us a couple of goes reading through the copy to say oh, actually that's a little bit of a, a criticism there so for instance saying months ago back in early October he said Terence Congolo is a, a big influence in the dressing room and they just need to work hard to make sure that he's a positive influence <laughs> and it it's things like that, that that it takes you a couple of readbacks before you go, wait a minute. <laughs> and they have been getting sort of more and more translucent over the past few weeks. There was one a few a couple of weeks ago where we asked a question about Flo Haddish and I and Terence Gingolo about what do you think their best position is? And he gave an answer to both those questions and then unprompted said, uh, we it doesn't matter how much you've cost or what big wages you might be on you have to play for your shirt and if you're not performing we pick based on performance if you're not performance you're performing you'll lose your, your place so there's been those little messages sort of buried in there that I think he's keen to impress on the players and to be honest I don't think he's got anything to lose by suggesting that there are players who aren't giving their all yeah I mean what we've, we've known it for a, a very long time certain players under Siever probably under Wagner as well yeah, like he says, they might be worth a lot of money, but who cares? Like, I, I just think it's getting to January. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, I mean, you've, you've got to trust that he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person either that, that won't say something unless he thinks it absolutely needs to be said. Yeah, he's very careful um, and quite deliberate with his words. What he's doing there as well is he's, he's protecting the rest of his players. Yeah. Um, which I think savvy management. Um, I think Savvy is right because I think he knows, I think he's got the, the measure of, of the fans and he knows that the one thing, I mean it's true of every club but I think especially town with the season they had last year where I think the perception was that a lot of the issues were caused basically by the same thing, um, that he's recognised that and he knows that that will go down well and that that is a message that the players, he wants to make sure the players hear that loud and clear. Yeah. That they know that that he re he reflects the same view that the fans do. I mean, I'm I'm sure that certain players that we've already discussed are a bad influence in the dressing room. But I think the key thing is is that I think they're now isolated. 
Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to to play to everybody in the dressing room. He, he knows ex exactly who the, the problems are, and, and he knows that he can kind of um, isolate them from the from the rest of the. The dressing room. The problem is now that he's got the injury crisis, though. You wonder if one or two of them might be in the squad just because he's got very little other option. But well, I mean, I don't. We'll, we'll come on to it, but um, that is not the fixture. If there are people in that squad that will not fight for the shirt, for the badge, for the fans, whatever, um, they should not be in that squad on on Saturday. Yeah. So obviously Leeds coming to town on Saturday. As you say, if they if they can't get it up for that fixture. Yeah. Then when are they gonna, you know, like? Yeah, I would. I would happily throw. So we've seen fixtures before against Leeds. You know, I'm thinking of 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 Atkinson. I'm thinking of even when Lillis took over and we lost three 0 Wagner was in the crowd, putting Billing in, putting Lolly in. At the time, they were established starters. I'd rather do that with someone from the development team or, or someone we've seen flashes of that is going to have. A kind of a double incentive, you mm. know. Number one, it's Leeds, and number two, I can I've got an opportunity to to make a case for myself here because of what's happening in the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult decision to make, and if it all goes to pot against Leeds, he will be blamed for taking a risk. Mm. But I just I, my opinion is that the the risk is actually lower than than playing. The likes of Congolo or, or Hadajanai. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, we I, don't... Want, I want someone who is going to, who would happily break their own leg, and anybody else's on the opposition to to win a tackle to do it. You know, it's, I'm exaggerating, but it, it is about that. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's it is a big fixture, and it, it's, it's. I don't want anyone pussy pussyfooting around in that fixture, shirking out of a 50-50, not busting a, a gut to get back mm. and close down, not putting their online if, if it means that they, they might score and break the neck, whatever. Um, not, not interested in anyone who's not willing to do any of those things. That, that's it. And I mean, Cowley wants that pretty much all the time. But as I say, like, he really will get the measure of, of a lot of players, I think, from how they, how they perform against Leeds. Because as I say, he can't do it at home against Leeds. The biggest fixture your club could possibly have in their calendar, bar it being in the you know, final. Exactly. Bar it being in a playoff final or an FA Cup final, you know, well, an FA Cup fifth round, then, then yeah, then there's very little hiding place for people in a fixture like this. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. There are certain games that are not about tactics. They're not. They're not about your brain. Although you know the, those things are important. It's all about. It's all about guts. Yeah, particularly when you're at home, and it's. Particularly difficult as well because Leeds are doing so well at the moment. Yeah, you know, in your head when you're using your head, there's a very good chance Leeds come and win that game. Well, I think the, the problem is is Leeds score goals. Yeah, and which is quite new because they hadn't been up until yeah, recently. Particularly the kind of second half of the season would be also last season, and not only did they score goals, if if you look at the record, I think an average of, of goals against is something like. 0.53 or yeah. something. Yeah. So I, I'd prefer to score more than half a goal in that game. Everything, everything needs to be right. Uh, they're, they're on a high, you know. And it's not just that they've won the previous fixture 4-0. They seem to be, particularly towards the end of games, 
and probably because at this stage of the season they're so fit, mm. whether the kind of classic Bielsa story unfolds again in the second half of the season is kind of irrelevant at this point. But they're getting goals in the 86th minute, in, you know, in injury time. They're running through walls yeah. for Bielsa. You know, they've got a special connection with the coach. I think they also have a special connection with Leeds fans as well. Yeah. Um, so they've got a lot of advantages. We can't necessarily think that just because we're at home and we've got a good connection, you know, with, with between the various constituent parts of the club, they've got that too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. They will fall apart at some point and it will be hilarious. <laughs> but... You know, it's a team that's won all of their last last five games. Exactly, we're not we're, we're not at the usual. We're not at that stage in the season where where Leeds bottle it. So it's a difficult one because of the back the makeshift back four and because their front four or five um, are so tricky. You know, you want to go off and and you want to use that kind of energy and buzz mm. to, to to take the game to them. They play a high line. Uh, they like to play it out from the back. So I'd expect to see us intelligently press mm. uh, their centre-backs and their wing-backs and, and their keeper, to be honest, who has a mistake in him. Um, the problem is um, you can't give them space because they counter-attack very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where we've got to make sure that we don't want a Diacabi going walkabouts you know, one, one thing for Leeds as well is the vast majority of their goals or their chances come centrally. Mm. So, I, you know, I would, wouldn't be surprised if we tried to shunt them out wide. Yeah, I mean, they do use the wings quite a lot in the build-up, I think, um, to, to get the, in terms of actually getting the ball forward, but then they sort of work it in from there. Mm. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it, as you say, it's a it's a game where almost whatever they do, it's going to be difficult for them. I mean, I think the the holding midfielder for us is whoever it ends up being will be really important in this game. Yeah, snuffing things out. So, would you go for? Would you stick with the four two three one, or would you move back to four three three, or would you try something different? I think I would if if you know we've got the personnel. I would go four two three one. Um, I think those those two will have to be a, a bit more dynamic in transitions from attack to, yeah. to defence. But I think we do have to press them quite high. Yeah. Um, I think Bakuna as a ten doesn't work. Yeah. They've, I would they've tried say it. They've, hard, yeah. they've tried it a few times, but I think Bar. I think against Blackburn where he came on and played that role. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for us to press, particularly in the first 10, 15 minutes. Get in the face. Yeah. Press them really high. And force them to keep going long. Yeah. Um, I'm also really happy for us to play long, because if they if they do persist with a high line, I think there are points where our transition. I think we can afford to be very quick. Yeah. Because we've got pace up front, I wouldn't be averse to getting it and banging it upfield. Um, so I think it's a case of us knowing when to play long, but also us forcing them in in to play in a game they don't want to play. Yeah. Because that, the teams they, do, they don't do well against, you, you know, your Millwalls or whatever, the teams that get in your face, the teams that, you know, bleep it out, house you. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think, I think we, we can house them yeah. at home. Yeah. 
I think you're absolutely right, and I think that is their best their best hope. Calvin Phillips is suspended for the game as well, yeah. which is a massive boost. He's played practically mm. every minute for Leeds. Arguably their best player, mm. sort of at the heart of that midfield. And um, if he'd gone one more game without picking up a yellow card, he wouldn't have got a suspension. Mm. But I mean, I think another thing is, you know, the Cowleys know exactly how Bielsa is going to play. Yeah. And yeah, Bielsa does his homework, but so do the Cowleys. Yeah. And we, we not only know how they're going to play, we could probably guess the starting lineup. Yeah. So that's another advantage, and, and they will make that work for us. Yeah. It's. I think the other difficulty is if Fraser Campbell is, is out again. Put Grant central? <sighs> yeah. But I think Grant doesn't offer you the same. Munia? Oh, throwing it out there, wild card. I mean, that is the alter. I mean, they did go 4 4 2 against uh, Birmingham, was it? Yeah. When Mounier came on. That's right. Oh, uh, was it Swansea? No, it was Swansea. Yeah. I'll cut that. They did go 4 4 2 for a while against Swansea before Chalaba got sent off. They, they put Mounier on up front with Carline Grant, and they had Kachunga and Diakabi as sort of conventional out and out wingers. Mm. And I wonder if that might be an option it's not something that we've seen the Cowleys do since they came to town I know they used to play it at Lincoln years ago when they had a more limited team and they moved towards the 4-2-3-1 I do just wonder if given how badly they did with the down the wings on Saturday whether they might stick Kachunga on one wing stick someone else on the other wing whether that's Diakabi or they they entrust it to someone else perhaps even Lewis O'Brien if they're going to put Congolo back at left back although he did in Cowley's words get murdered mm. playing there against Bristol so I'd be surprised but just so that's the problem it's, it's musical chairs that, yeah, that these injuries have, have created so you know I think looking if, if we had a, a, a full squad I'd be quite confident with home advantage that we can go into that and, and do something yeah but yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult one but there's all sorts about that fixture that mean that, that it's, it's anything can happen, really. As a fan, if they put in, if it was clear they were working hard and they lost, ended up losing 2-0 just because Leeds are better than them, is that acceptable? No, it's, it's, not, you know, it's not acceptable to lose. But, I'm, I'm kind of joking, yeah. you're right, but any, a lot of people who listen to this will know that... You've got friends and family mm. members who are Leeds fans, and you've got to go into work on Monday, and they're a horrible bunch at the best of times. Mm. Uh, so you know, dealing with that. No, no, of course. Like if we play really well and we lose two nil, they'll st- they'll still be red mist. And yeah. like, oh, God's sake! And then it comes to Monday, Tuesday, and you're like, do you know what? We're putting a good performance. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not one of, it's not one of those fixtures that you you want to lose or that you're particularly rational about um, but this is it if it was any other game not any other, not any other game and, and leads out especially in that sense there are, there are other fixtures we'll, we'll, we'll all have them I hate Peterborough why you do know, you hate Peterborough I, I, really, I probably dislike Sheffield Wednesday more than hang on whoa, whoa. Sorry. why do you hate Peterborough well we had this this kind of dynamic rivalry that Oh, oh, of course, yeah, going back to the playoff final, yeah. I also, I I once had an argument with um, Adrian Durham on TalkSpot and they they cut my mic. 
uh, <laughs> about that. So like that even it made it even worse. What, what, sorry, what happened there? So this, while, this was a while ago, and I think what it was was there was one of those random clickbaity things that Talksport do. Which What's is clickbait? To, I don't click, understand. You, know, you wouldn't be aware. No, of it, no, no. Know, yeah. Um, it's sort of like the opposite of a long read, which you'll be more <laughs> familiar with, um, a treatise. No, but it was something stupid, like, why Trudersfield Town call themselves the Yorkshire Club? There's, and then da- Darren Goff, useless idiot that he was, was like, Barnsley's in Yorkshire. I was like, cheers, Darren, thanks for the input. <laughs> um, and I phoned Dickie in... Dickie Bird in the corner, giving, yeah. giving the thumbs up. And I think I phoned in and I was saying... You know, it's it's a marketing thing and all this kind of stuff, and but it's it's how the club likes to think of itself as a, a no nonsense, straightforward club. Yeah, same and as the working class. Exactly. Club thing got going and I made the, the point that no nobody else is prohibited from calling themselves the Yorkshire Club if they'd like to. Yeah. And then we somehow got into a, got into an argument um, with, with with Adrian about. I just remember him saying, "Well, I, well, you know, I always watch that DVD of us beating you three 0 at Old Trafford, and I think we just got promoted to the Premier League." Uh, and I said, that's something like, that's the difference between me and you, Adrian, isn't it? You have to sit there in your underpants on a s- Sunday morning hungover watching a DVD if you want to watch decent film. And like, just as I was saying that, they just cut me off and they were like, right, next call. So, <laughs> this is Adrian Durham, by the way, who last week said, um, the only reason the counties don't have a Premier League job yet is because they're, they're PE, they were PE teachers and they're snobberts. Like, I think it's probably because until three months ago they hadn't managed higher than League Two, Adrian. But... <laughs> One of the good things I'll say about Adrian Durham and, and Talksport Drive is, is they were big backers when we started out of, of the food bank thing. Right, okay. And they would they give us a lot of coverage and they would always retweet and all that kind of stuff. But uh, when it comes to football, obviously, absolutely awful opinions. Yeah, not great. Uh, so, prediction for Saturday then, Jim. We're putting you on the spot here. It's going to be tight affair. I don't know why I've said that when I basically like. <laughs> there's never seems to be any relationship between what I, what I say and the prediction. Because yeah. I've just said, We're going to get you always, it's you gonna be ga- hard. You guarantee Town will score and Leeds score a lot. It's going to be a really tight affair. Yeah, right. I'm just, I'm just going to say 1 0. I think it'll be nervy. I think it's going to be 1 0 to Town. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, big yeah. shout. Big shout. Yeah. And I think. Who's going to score it? It's going to be Grant, isn't it? He's going to pop up. He's just going to cut inside. And he's just going to leather it from 25 yards into the top corner. It's going to go mental. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. So, have you got anything else you would like to add today, Jim? Any other um, media personalities you'd like to put to rights? No, no. Then, but if, if there's any out there that want to put me to rights, I'm, I'm happy to yeah, give you a get platform. Yeah, get in touch. If Adrian Turham... Turham? Durham. Turham. Turham. Turham now. If Adrian Turham wants to correct us on that story yeah. or on my pronunciation of his surname... Yeah, me and me and V are walking from Elland Road. That is to true. The John Smith Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, nearly forgot about that. We are so. This is a fundraiser for the Welcome Centre that we're doing in conjunction with Leeds fans. They're raising funds for some food banks in the Leeds area, and Town fans. There's a group of us who are raising funds for the Welcome Centre. It's a 13-mile walk, which I think is about six times longer than the longest walk I've done in the last six years or so. Why not? So that's fun. Why not do your first one in the depths of winter? Yeah, I know. Originally, it was, when we started talking about it with Leeds Trust, and by the way, the, the things I said about Leeds fans, obviously, tongue-in-cheek. Um, <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually on their... Um, Since we're going to uh, be marching yeah, yeah, exactly. with them. Marching Just on together. Just me and you, so isolated to at the back. Uh, we, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm on their kind of trusts election management group committee thing and stuff. So I'm good friends with a lot of the people from the trust, and we thought we should do something around this fixture. Um, and obviously, like it was gonna be a th- it was gonna be a three o'clock fixture. Now we knew it wasn't gonna be yeah. three o'clock. But we were like, would Might it move to, to Sunday, or would it move to like a, a late afternoon, evening, you know, early evening kickoff? Yeah. And then they moved it to like what you know, like midday. So it means we have to set. We're gonna have, I'm gonna have to set off at like to get over to Leeds at like like half four in the morning. But um, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who. Uh, have to go through a lot of worse things than yeah, that. Exactly. So that, that's who we're doing it for. And we, we currently raised a, around 500 quid. So if you go on our social media or you go on the examiner's social media or Stephen's social media, um, you can find the link to the GoFundMe. And you know, even if it's just a quid, yeah. donate a quid, whatever, that quid will you know, feed, feed some kids over Christmas or get them an advent calendar or, or whatever. Precisely. So yeah, so please do give generously i'm just about to pin the tweet to my uh, to my twitter so if you want to look for it there you and, you'll find you know, it when initially when when we were setting up fans of food banks and and would it come from a meeting that we'd had we'd all had with with newcastle united supporters trust um everton supporters trust spirit of shankley you know what what liverpool and everton did really well is is they do it together and it was always the hashtag you know, hunger doesn't wear club colours, and it's it's really good that we we get to to do this with, with Leeds fans because, despite the fact that you know on the terraces on the pitch we dislike each other te- intensely, there are, there are things that are just much much more important than, than football, and it's just you know really good to see that people can work together on that, and not just that, um, you know, Andy's Andy's man club, and you know uh, Neil from from the other podcast, yeah, Neil Wayne, Neil Wayne. Um, they'll be handing out leaflets with Leeds fans as well, raising awareness of, of certain issues around uh, male mental health. So there'll be all sorts going on. But the important thing is is to win on the day. <laughs> Stop. And feed the kids. Yeah, and feed the kids. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, so, next year, me and Stephen will be doing a charity single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. So, yeah, at the time of recording, we're at £480. We're looking to raise 1000 So if the podcast listeners out there can, as Jim says, go in and, and donate whatever you possibly can. Uh, or if, if on the other end of the scale, you're someone who might benefit from a place like the Welcome Centre, mm. then Google the Welcome Centre and there's information on the website for how to get in touch with them and get support that you might need. Appreciate it's a, a very difficult time of year for, for mm. a lot of people and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners so yeah wishing everyone all the best and hopefully we can uh, raise a bit of money and make a bit of a difference absolutely Merry Christmas to one and all Merry Christmas one and all I mean let's ignore the fact that we've probably got another three four have you podcasts started, have, you, have you started listening to Christmas music yet I don't really do it no I know I'm not a Christmas player you know if, if, if you like if you're sick of all the normal Christmas songs yeah there's uh, the Killers, remember them? Oh, no. Their Christmas album. They've got a Christmas Great big album. sled. Yeah, 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 no, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. I'm, I'm you say that. There's also an alternative Christmas, uh, which has a few indie bands. It's pretty cool. It's got bands such as Duels on there. Okay. Obviously yeah. split up. Tell me more. I can't remember any of the bands. That, right, well, Jim and I are going to go and check out this indie <laughs> Christmas. Uh, Everyone's stopped listening by now. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. definitely. So... Yeah, we'll be back with you after the Leeds game, obviously, with 
more re re review and an re 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 review, review. Rewind, rewind and analysis and of course a trip to Charlton next Tuesday Exciting until stuff. then we'll see you next time goodbye bye <laughs>